find us on every major podcasting platform uh we are on uh iheart spotify pandora i don't know everywhere primarily social media wise you can find us on facebook and instagram the notes by goats podcast uh look for the record uh a goat chomping on a record his name is nate he's our mascot um and then we're also on tiktok uh at the notes by goats pod don't have a huge following there yet, but we're working on it. Uh, generally, you can find us twice a week, usually on Tuesdays and Fridays, where we will talk for about 45 minutes to an hour about an album. We'll give you kind of our our favorite tracks, our least favorite tracks, our deep cut tracks from the album. We bring a guest on once a week and play some games and generally just have some fun. What you're hearing today is a snippet of me and I'm nicer to Kendra than I am to Brandon because I'm not nice to Brandon usually. But um, it's it's just two but two kind of two best friends just talking about music and giving each other a whole lot of crap. <laughs> well, it's a fun show. I've done it, and I'm coming back for one of my favorite albums. I'm so you excited. Are I'm excited to have you back on too. This album, it was not the '90s, but it is one of the pivotal moments of I think a millennial's adolescence. I'm so excited, but. <laughs> Let's kick off this 90s thing with, what were you doing in 94? Had you met your BFF Brandon yet? No, no, I didn't meet Brandon until like 2015, 2016. So it was like re- recent uh, for Brandon and I, but in 94, I would have been uh, 10, turning 10 that year. So it would have been like elementary school. Um, not too uh, bad there. Um, I don't know. My mom, my brother and sister and I were just kind of hanging out, doing our thing. I don't remember a whole lot of what I was doing. I remember the I remember this pop culture moments and like what I went through and did a little bit of research on what happened in 94. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked to talk about it. But yeah, just kind of living that life, getting in, starting to dip my toe into like the pop punk music too. Because like Green Day kind of came out in 94 and things were coming, were slowly building into that that music scene that I really grew to love towards the late 90s, so. I mean, yeah, it's hard to remember what you're doing as, like, a kid and in your life unless you had maybe, like, a major, like, life moment or a move or something. I just remember being in Miss Sparks class. I think I was in first or second grade. It was a good time. She she was the first person to teach me about um, 
Hanukkah and we made latkes in first grade and I was really excited because we had a combo class and I had her again the next year for second grade and that biatch, we did not make them then the following year and I was very disappointed. Oh man. Oh no, I know. So before we get into the movies and the music and the TV, we're going to talk about what you think is one of the best moments pop culture wise that is of 1994 and that is Disney's masterpiece, The Lion King. For you, why? Why The Lion King? You and so many others. So I, we talked and I battled because there was a lot of stuff that happened in 94. I sent you a list of like 10 different things, uh, at least like heavy hitters. And the two big movies are two huge movies from my childhood and even adulthood now. And they're wide ranging different ends of the spectrum. You have The Lion King on one side, you have Forrest Gump on the other side. They both came out in 94. But Lion King just... It, it might have been like the Jonathan Taylor Thomas angle or like just the difference. The, the voice cast was so wide ranging. You knew a lot of the voices that were in the movie. It's one of the first Disney movies where they used, I mean, mainstream famous actors that we all kind of knew as they've been doing now forever. But I think Lion King was one of the first ones when you like could like immediately pick up. Yup. That's Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like, holy crap. Look at that. Um, you know, everybody everybody watched Tool Time and hung out with Tim Allen on, you know, Fridays and whatnot. But um, it just, the animation was starting to kind of develop and getting better. The music was fantastic. The Elton John music's on there. It was great. Um, I don't know. It was, I don't know. It was something that was just like took us by storm. And I remember my brother and sister and I were kind of in like a, a summer kids program. My mom was a single mom, so she worked a lot. And they had these programs that you could go get lunch and like play for a couple hours. You were, um, you know, chaperoned. It was the 90s, so you were kind of heavily, not really heavily chaperoned like you would be now. You know, you could just still go out and do whatever you wanted. But this way, you had like somebody watching you. Um, so your parents were like halfway decent. Um, and I remember like, their biggest push that year was like if you came so many days in a row at the end of the week you could go to the Lion King and they did it like like for like a whole month every every Friday they took a group of kids to go to the Lion King and I want to say my me and my brother went like three out of the four weeks we went and saw the movie with them because we didn't have anything else to do so we're like want to go to the movies for free let's go um you guys go see the Lion King and like everybody else did like went to the movies and saw it too but there's just there's so much the music is fantastic the comedy aspect of it where i think it was one of the first disney flicks to be overtly funny but also have some of that adult humor as extent as well like blatant adult humor like just disney wasn't doing that up until then their little mermaid a little bit a little bit here and there but lion king really like opened that nathan lane kind of opened that up for everybody i guess that's kind of what happened so it was kind of the first time in a long time they had done a lot of for the disney renaissance they had done a lot of princess movies and this one felt like the first one that was appealing to everybody it wasn't so princess centric there was a love story in it with the lions but Mm -hmm. it was kind of this just general adventurous kind of they had the love they had friendship they had family it wasn't just you know and they and they had parents dying because they have to it's disney (laughs) yeah right it's Animation cartoons brought to you by a set of trauma. <laughs> I mean, the best kind. Right? Play on the floor time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Littlefoot. His poor mom and that 
his little leaf that he tried to keep around. But in The Lion King, you mentioned the music. It is definitely, I think, up there. If you ask me my favorite Disney song, it's really hard for me to choose because Just Can't Wait to Be King is so <clears throat> good. Oh my, it's, oh. Like, I feel like I have the delusional confidence that I could slay that in karaoke. Couldn't, but I have that confidence. I yeah, and I, I like the, the Timon song where he says, about Pumba being a tasty treat. Like, <laughs> like I'm just... I think me I think me and Brandon could do that one as a duet and be fine, so at the summer program, why were they taking you every week to see the one movie? Why didn't they switch it up? Was there nothing else? I think because there were so many kids that came and not everybody came every time. So like we were one of the only ones that just went every time because we just didn't. But at the time, it didn't matter how many it I think Lion King was one of those, one of those first movies for kids that like you just wanted to go back and re-see it, like watch it again and watch it again. Like it's like kids now that want to watch, you know, Bluey, which is not, not a bad show. Um, watching it, like you just can watch all day long. Just it's like it was, I think, it was a kids thing, and the I don't think the grownups really cared, and they weren't really grownups. They were mostly like high school, high schoolers, like teenagers. They just felt like they were grownups to us because they were like seventeen and we were, you know, ten. <laughs> so they were old. Oh, for sure. Teenagers always look so much older until you get there. Until you're like, until you're like in your mid thirties, and you're like, no, you're still a kid. Leave me alone. I, oh my god, now I'm too. I hate walking by teenagers. I always feel like they're gonna make fun of me or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mm, like especially when I lived in California, I hated going to the mall if it like on a weekend. I was like, oh no, the kids are there. I'm well nervous. Yep. <laughs> so- I actually enjoy that life now as a dad because I can like just do my thing and be. More like obnoxiously like terrible, <laughs> and my kids are just like you're the worst ever. I'm like I know, but this is so much fun. <laughs> I could see that. I could see the joys of being a parent, especially if a teenager and embarrassing them. That would be really fun. Yeah, until they start to fight back, and you're just like, okay, I'll stop. No, I would be even more embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> So we have a running bit where we talk about people's sexiest man alive and the most beautiful person of the year. Do you have any guesses of who was the sexiest man and the most beautiful? I'll give you a hint. The most beautiful is a woman. Was it Cindy Crawford? No, she was 93, I believe. Oh, okay. And sexiest man, guess? Tom Cruise. No, but he's a good guess. It was actually Keanu Reeves because oh, Keanu. So they're promoting that. Oh, speed, yo. He was coming off the heels of Sleepless in Seattle. Meg Ryan, huh? Okay. Yeah, which is- I could see Keanu. Meg Ryan was kind of a weird one. Like she just, like she was pretty, but I don't. I just. Mm. She for early '90s, I feel like Meg Ryan was it. Like she feels very that time. It's kind of like how I feel Adam Sandler, Jim Carrey's comedy is very 90s that time, and that's kind yeah, of Yeah, she's... kind of how I feel like with Drew Barrymore towards the end of the 90s. Like, it's just that it person for that era. For sure. And it's weird, the year she was the most beautiful person, her son, Jack Quaid, who we all know from The Boys, was two years old, so that makes me feel very ancient. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, yes. Oh, wow. Way to go. Way to go, Jack. <laughs> Grew up to be a wonderful, wonderful person. So I figured we were going to start with music since that's what you cover on a regular basis on Notes Music yes. Podcast. So here we go. So in 1993, I talked with my buddy Dre about how Billboard Hot 100 was very blackety black. We talked about how it was apparent hip-hop and R&B were the mainstays that year on the radio, on the charts, everywhere. But this year, 1994... Very easy. Grunge. 
Ace of Base was Ace of Base, huh? Three out of the top ten songs that year were by Ace of Base. Really? I mean, was that something you were listening to then? I mean, everybody listened to The Sign. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I mean, you still listen to The Sign now. It still plays on, on any of the, like, oldie... <laughs> it's terrible. It's oldies. Holy crap. <laughs> the oldie stations, like the 90s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and you feel like you're ancient when you listen to this stuff, but... um. I mean, yes, I still listen to this Mace of Bass from now and then. I don't think I ever listened to a full Ace of Bass album. Yeah, I mean, but the, I only know the heavy hitters that were this year. Yeah, the 90s were such a weird time with music, so it's like, and you're, you're not wrong, the early 90s were very R&B, I mean, like, 92, 93 were very R&B heavy, R&B rap heavy. Yeah, but then somehow we got this, like... I would say a, maybe a Swedish pop invasion, and it always makes me wonder, like, what's in the water in Sweden, because we owe so much to that country in regards to pop music, because, like, it's not just Ace of Base, it's, like, Max Emma. Martin. Max Martin, he is the producer behind, like, so many boy bands, hits, mm-hmm. Boys and Sing, Britney, and he's still working. He's like, mm-hmm. the weekend, Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande. So I, I really want to go to Sweden and know what's going on there. Well, you got, and you got ABBA, too, which kind of started back in the 70s, and then they're still going now, too. They've just put out a new album. I think they're even nominated for Grammys this year. So ABBA is all still alive and well, all four? I believe so. They they just put out a new, a new album. I, I'm, I'm 100% certain they were nominated for a Grammy for, like, best album, I'm pretty sure. I bet Max Martin is part of it too. More than likely, I can't say any of their names. I just looked it up. It's, oh, Benny Benny Anderson is the is the easiest one. Everybody else, nope, not happening. It's like, it, you know, it wasn't just Issa Bass though. We, we still had some R and B. Uh, two of the most signature romantic R and B songs ever. All for ones, I swear, and Boy mm-hmm. Spin, I'll make love to you. Do you think which one do you think personally is more romantic? Boys to Men. Oyster Men just, I don't know, their, their whole vibe was like, you get middle schoolers singing about sex constantly, and you're like, yeah, you know, this, like, awkward time, and you're just like, these songs are awesome, and then you kind of realize as you get further on in middle school what those songs are actually about, like, and now you're like, whoa, these songs are awesome, um, but no, I think, I think Boys to Men, um, and I, I kind of picked them over that over uh, awful one because of the just they were allowed they were around longer too. I mean they did more, and they're they're actually still doing stuff now too. And their videos were very, I'll say iconic for the time. But I was watching some the other day, and it was just making me laugh that they were standing in pouring rain and matching striped shirts and shorts. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was a choice for sure. Yeah, you, you're not proving anything there, guys. No. And this is like, why so matchy matchy boys? And they they influenced like Backstreet Boys' style. Like they influenced like the style between Backstreet Boys. Like in some of that like boy band s style where you're like matching and doing the crazy stuff. Like, the boy bands definitely took it to a step, like a step further. That's why I don't consider boys men a boy band because they didn't have like distinct personalities. Where Backstreet Boys are like, obviously AJ's a rebel. He has yeah, a yeah, they they didn't have. They were more they were more just R and B group. They weren't really a boy band. Like, but they they kind of you can you can see you can feel their influence in that in that grouping. Yeah, well, in twenty. Thing that well, I believe it was 
Wanye from Boys and Men, Nick Carter and AJ from Backstreet Boys and Joey Fatone from Instincted in Vegas. Mm. A very rough draft of they wanted to do this kind of boy bandy rap pack type mashup. Yeah, it, I say rough draft because I don't even think they knew what they were going for, but it was it was interesting to risk my life and get on a plane for that. There we go. Was it at least entertaining? Yes, my favorite part was uh, Wanye from Boys to Men. He said he was heavily influenced by TV theme songs, and he did a couple of those, which I it's probably, if I had to admit, my favorite genre of music is TV theme songs. So yes, I I agree. We're actually gonna do a top five uh, TV theme song. Uh, episode the notes podcast in april i actually have brandon doing a review of the scrubs episode my musical because it's a short album it's only like seven or eight tracks um we're gonna do that and then we're gonna we're gonna kind of piggyback off of it into a top five like music um from tv it can be theme songs it can be a song from a show but yeah so i'm kind of i'm kind of stoked about that as well i loved i loved me some uh musical tv I mean, Bob's Burger is kind of one of the, like, the newer shows that still keeps that alive with their music. I just recently watched an episode of that, of, of Bob's Burgers recently, and I hadn't watched it in forever just because I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV right now, and I hadn't laughed that hard in a while. I was just cracking up dying. It was stupid funny, but man, it was funny. Yeah, it's been... Bob's Burger, though, it's one of those shows you can walk away from but get right back into things. Yes. I yes. know, during 2020, I, there was a lot of shows I fell off of, and that was badly them, but I'm slowly creeping back to it. Mm-hmm. Slowly. But another big song that year in 94 was Hero by Mariah Carey. Oh my god, it sort of became this like unofficial graduation song, at least at my, in my school district until Green Day dropped Good Riddance. Um, yeah. But again, you mentioned 94. Green Day gave us that cornerstone pop punk album, That's Dookie. Mm-hmm. And was that like one of your first CDs you remember loving? It was up there. I was really big. Um, I went to when schools I went to at the time were very inner city esque, so I was, I was really into the R and B scene. Um, I was kind of getting my a taste of the like punk uh, side of things, but we listened was on the radio, and the radio was all R and B stuff that didn't. You, you started getting a little bit more that way. Like Nirvana came out, and they started hitting really hard. But um, the Dookie was one of those space. It's probably my favorite Green Day album. Um, I like Good Riddance, but um, it—I I think Dookie's probably their, one of their best albums they've ever made. Yeah, and it's like we had punk music before them. Obviously, mm-hmm. you had bands like The Descendants, but I think Green Day being so mainstream and like following them, we kind of have that hot topic mall punk mtv punk bands like charlotte simple plan and then of course we evolved into emo music so i think definitely green day between green day and blink green green day was the was the grungier punk and then blink was the poppier punk like they were just like they were kind of that yin and yang that you needed to like push things to mtv to get them to actually play that stuff and then they they were the the ones that made it all happen for other bands i also think blink being it sold very well on MTV, and it was during the boy band craze. So if you had a cute guy, I mean, and they had no problem making nope. fun of all of the boy bands too. <laughs> yeah, but they were as just as cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they definitely knew what they were doing. <laughs> and then like there was "Stay" by Lisa Loeb, which I think fueled um, Gen X. Definitely fueled that song thanks to Reality Bites that year. 
Uh, what would you say is a millennial's version of stay? A millennial's version of stay? Is it Vanessa Carlton? <laughs> I mean, we do. I do love that song. <laughs> is it the Making My Way Downtown? The Vanessa Carlton song, like that would be, or, um, I mean, what's the, the other one that I would think of? No, I would think it would be the Vanessa Carlton one. Me and my friend were talking about the most recent Super Bowl, and you know, they had you know, Dr. Dre and everything, and then he's on piano. And my friend's like, if they would have had Vanessa Carlton instead, and just had all these rappers, and then randomly did it and had Terry Crews out there, could you imagine the hysteria? Because everyone mm-hmm. would have been so hyped. I think they should definitely let people like 30 something plan these events because rihanna's doing it this year and i'm kind of interested because they haven't announced any anybody that's coming with her yet so if she's just going on her own or what's happening but well the internet and the memes say that she's just going to have like an x amount however long commercial for her fenty beauty line okay <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah it's it's gonna be fun i i actually can't wait to see what she does uh, we're we're gonna do something fun for that on our podcast as well that's more to come on that one i think well, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's interesting. It hasn't released much music, but we'll see. Maybe this is the debut of all her new stuff. Well, I think with, like, The weekend, he put out stuff right before and then right after. Bruno did stuff right before, right after, and they only, used this as a springboard, so it kind of works out. I can only hope Tom Holland is there because his lip sync to Umbrella is better than any. He's got to be in the full jumpsuit, though. He has to be in everything. Like, you can just go after it. But, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, that. Not sure. That's my favorite Tom Holland role right there. Is that lip sync? <laughs> but, back to the movies. Uh, Reality Bites, back to that one. It's a mm-hmm. movie that I feel Gen X really base their personalities around. But,. That's not the only one. I also think Pulp Fiction is another one of those movies people yes. that age kind of attach themselves to. And I actually just watched it in the last year or so. I didn't get it. I didn't like it. Do you think it's really? Different? Yeah, I just it. What for me? That wasn't Tarantino's best. Uh, I agree with you. It's not Tarantino's best. Kill Bill is definitely better. Um, Kill Bill One and Kill Bill Two are definitely better than than that one. And um, but it's. It, it brought back Travolta. It really gave Sam Jackson a, a starting point, getting back into things after some stuff in the 80s and the early 90s he did. But if if not for Pulp Fiction, I don't think we'd have had Sam Jackson uh, in the stuff he was in. Um, the, the, I mean, the pop culture-ness of that movie. And it, I mean, you got to think, like, Bruce Willis kind of bumped off there as well. Like, he came back. Um I, there's so many things like but it's Tarantino so it is it is going to be kind of interesting for everybody you're going to get a different feel for it whether you like Tarantino or not if you don't like Tarantino you're going to hate it it's Tarantino for me is like him and Kevin Smith are like the two like polarizing directors like you either really love Kevin Smith or you hate Kevin Smith or you really like Tarantino or you hate Tarantino and like now I don't like when Tarantino talks like he Piss me off, freaking almost his damn mouth. Like he just stop talking, dude. Um, like he makes fun of Marvel movies and DC movies a lot. I'm like, you haven't done anything in years that's been anything worthwhile. Like shut up. Like let these guys actually have their moment. But um, they're not so artsy and whatnot. But I I I like Pulp Fiction. I like the um 
the weaving of the stories together and how kind of everything kind of tied back together the filmmaking of it is really cool but i do agree with you it is not his his best it's probably my third favorite behind behind the kill bill and i'm going to count one and two as one and then reservoir dogs is uh my second like most favorite um tarantino flick and then then pulp fiction is probably number three but it is iconic i mean it's it's what brought him back into the end of the thing it brought so many huge actors into play that you wouldn't normally and the things that like even the pop culture references that spawned off of it other like gag movies that came out which is fun yeah i do like it's one of those movies like i didn't see it until the last couple years but anytime like if the simpsons or any other show would reference it i knew Mm -hmm. where the reference was coming from and i think that's just kind of a good movie but Mm -hmm. it wasn't for me not for me and i also think it has to do with maybe i just didn't watch it at the time maybe i wasn't old enough to appreciate it but a movie that i i think i was too young but i did appreciate and you mentioned it before forrest gump I mean, some may argue it's the best movie ever. Some people wouldn't. It's the best soundtrack of all time, for sure. It's such a good movie. I think just how the the story is told, the emotional ride it takes you on, it is, to me, Tom Hanks. I think, you know, one day, knock on wood, when he passes, that is going to be the the clip they show. Him on the bench. It's so amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I I agree. It is a... It's a masterpiece and how it was done and you're never going to get something like that again how just how much of an epic that it was um and i guess the soundtrack to that movie is it's it's amazing we did a soundtrack on our podcast in november we did a whole month of a happy thanksgiving so we did nine tom hanks movie soundtracks throughout the month of november in 2022 and we ended it with with forrest gump um so the cream of the crop it is the best one. It's it, it, like I said, it's probably the best soundtrack of all time. Just the amount of music that's on there and what they did to incorporate it all into the movie. Uh, it just is a, it's a, it's a feat of uh, a film to make that happen and to get everything kind of incorporated and make it work the right way. And I don't know, it's fun. I, I still like watching that one today. I will if it on TV. I will watch up until Bubba. And then oh. I cannot watch. I can't watch that part. And then I'm just like, okay. So I've seen that everything before that probably a billion times, and everything after that maybe a million times. Yeah, <laughs> so strong enough to get past it. It gets darker after that point too. It gets way, and then it, it lightens up towards the kind of towards the end, and then it gets dark <laughs> again. But um, it it does get very dark after Bubba. Yeah, but on the flip side, Jim Carrey gave us definitely the opposite that year with three absolute bangers he had ace ventura the mask dumb and dumber two of which in the top 10 that year can you guess which one wasn't the mask no the mask was actually number four it was ace so ventura. it was ace ventura. all three of those are, are awesome all three of those were awesome i knew dumb and dumber was up there i wasn't gonna say that one but i was thinking it was the mask or ace ventura but ace ventura with toad loke awesome. and ray finkel so good. I mean, what do you think? Like, why? There's just something special. Like I said earlier, I feel like Jim Carrey just his type of comedy fit the '90s so well. Those types of movies too. We don't get those kind today. Kind of Kevin Hart, but not on that same like no. level. I'm not gonna watch a Kevin Hart movie other than Jumanji in 20 years and still laugh like I do Ace Ventura. Dumb and Dumber with him and Jeff Daniels is just 
that was a perfect casting. Those guys were great together, and they still are now. Like you'll see them like when they do stuff together now, and they're still like just as hokey and dumb as they were back in the '90s. But um, Ace is just, yeah. It doesn't matter if you're you know 80 or eight, you're gonna laugh. It's just funny um, talking with your butt and that sort of stuff. You know? <laughs> and like, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it... stupid humor. And then the mask is just like just so it was so over the top but there's so many references in that movie that you're just like you i can still watch it now and not pick up half the stuff that was that was referenced jim carrey was kind of our it's it's really funny to hear but he's kind of our generation's like uh robert williams like that that quick wit and all the like impersonations he can do Mm -hmm. and just like the the craziness things he could do with his face that's what i was the second coming of robin williams like while robin williams was still in his heyday and still going after pretty hungry it's a shame they never got to work together agree yeah i agree that would have been that would have been a could you imagine them like um like a father-son type there maybe brothers if it like today i guess (laughs) yeah i couldn't imagine them like is a somebody watching the movie because how fast they both were like it'd be like it'd be like watching george carlin and roddy dangerfield just going back and forth and like feeding off each other like they're just so they're both so incredibly smart and funny and like you're trying to one-up the other guy and holy cow like how would you just keep that up like it would be it would be like exhausting as and as somebody watching it you'd be you'd be entertained all hell but would have been a great movie and i mean jim carrey's proven he still got it i love him in those sonic the hedgehog movies yeah and he's he's definitely going out there on the limb too i mean he's he's definitely hit the crazy pants a little bit heavy on his end too but he he does it in such a tongue-in-cheek way you're really not even sure if he's being serious anymore i loved him when he went when he went serious though like and he was like fantastic in truman and the prestige and or not the prestige. What's the movie with the movie the movie theater? What's it called? I can't remember now. The number twenty three was always was good too. There's so many like when he went serious, you weren't expecting it, and then it worked. Yeah. Um, he's one of the few that could actually do it. But yeah, it's he is still he's still funny now. He's he's you definitely don't know what the hell he's gonna say now when you watch him. You're just like, <laughs> like the. Person that, like, and he's anytime on live TV, the person I know, the person with the dump buttons, just sitting there like waiting, like, oh <laughs> man, like we need be, we need more seconds for Jim. Like, we have to like put him on a ten second delay so I like, know what he's gonna say. <laughs> but that's kind of why we loved him, even then mm-hmm. and now. He made these movies that were a little raunchy, and maybe we shouldn't have been watching as children, but we definitely watched. I think we mentioned this before. Our parents. In the 90s, didn't care what we watched as long as we weren't hurting anybody, right? Yeah, 90s PG is like a hard, a hard R now, too. And like <laughs> 80s PG is like X-rated now. Like there's even going back and watching some stuff from like Ghostbusters, you're just like, ooh, I can't watch that with my kids. It's weird. But um, it's, it is like, like we should never have watched The Mask. There should be no, no. reason that you should let kids watch The Mask. But I remember my renting it for oh, I do too I remember I, my mom bought it for us we owned it we watched it a lot but there's no reason we should have watched that movie um I mean Ace Ventura had a lot of parts in it too that you're now you watch it and you're just like oh my gosh all both <laughs> yeah like the all of all of them like the both of both of them were like you just you still watch them now and you're just like why did our parents let us watch this why did our parents let us watch this People ask you if you had trauma. People ask you if you had trauma as a child, or if you were neglected as a child, and you're like, "Well, now, 
with what I know now, probably. <laughs> yeah, um, BTS uh, should have been busier in the 90s, but, you know. <laughs> it, was you... the 90s. <laughs> yeah, it was the 90s. it was the 90s. But, well, I mean, we watched these movies and they were raunchy, but that's not because we were lacking. We were in, like, I think the golden age of kids' movies. And <laughs> we talked about this. I mean, we talked about The Lion King. Last <laughs> time you came on to talk about your crush, um, Liz- Larissa Lanik, we talked about sports movies. And this year... Little Giants, Mighty, or yeah, Mighty Ducks 2, Three Ninjas Kick Back, Angels in the Outfield. Oh, they just do not make these types of movies anymore. Why do you think that is? Why, where did these, where's the disconnect? I don't know, but you I wish they'd make them, like, I have children, you're right. And they, I mean, I don't know, because I just recently bought a Dean Portman jersey, a Mighty Ducks Dean Portman jersey, and I'm actually buying a full breed one next week, I'm pretty sure. I'm waiting for the certain one to come back in stock that I want, but um, now that I have money, I'm like, I'm buying one of those. Um, I wanted one of those when I was a kid. So, I, I don't know, but it's... I actually think part of the problem is youth sports. I'm a, I'm a coach. I coach um, lots of sports and lots of kids. Um, been doing this for 10 years now, um, but the numbers in youth sports are going down. Kids are more transitioning to electronic stuff, like video games, and the numbers in sports are really going down. I saw a study recently that they said that um, high school seniors only it was it was like less than 15% would be able to pass the physical test to go into the military. Oh wow. And it was it was a, and the numbers been going down, getting lower since COVID because we didn't do anything for a year and a half. So it's been causing problems. So I think it's it's more of a society issue. We're not as active, we're not as sporty. Um Whereas, like in the 90s, you had kids on skateboards going nuts, you, all kinds of skateboarding, uh, extreme sports movies on like Disney Channel and things like that. You had football, and it wasn't as, you weren't as health and safety conscious. Like, I coach football now, and the things we can't do that we did when I was playing football at 10 years old is, I have to look back and go, how did we not die? like doing some things that we did when we were 10 because there's no there's it was the 90s it was weird but i want to say it's more like we've kind of got away from like a lot of those sports and a lot of those active as parents and as like kids they're just not as engaged in those things anymore so movie studios don't make them anymore they just don't want to do it they don't they don't think it'll it'll sell even though like if they made a mighty ducks movie right now and they came back out with a mighty ducks actual movie i'd go see it i watched the series on disney plus it was awesome oh i haven't checked out season two but i, I haven't seen I, season two but i saw season one yeah i really enjoyed season i was like okay I'm yeah, Lauren graham let's go yeah <laughs> i did like that it's interesting you say like sports has gone down because i was a little fat kid not in the sports but i mm-hmm. love the hell out of some sports movies yeah like, oh yeah these are my favorite teams <laughs> But you think like even like camp movies and like camp like yeah. like summer camp TV shows. We had some really cool camp movies with like heavyweights and whatnot in the '90s, and they just, the kids don't go to camp. They just don't do that stuff as much as they used to. I think it's just kind of how our society has changed to be. You have a lot more helicopter parents now than we did in the '90s. Like we we joke about like you didn't come back home until the streetlights came back on, and you'd leave the house at nine o'clock in the morning and. You pick up lunch somewhere, like somebody'd feed you. Like, like it, I feel like some parents were just putting out sandwiches, like in the middle of the, road, the middle of the road. And you're just like, get a sandwich and just run, like next house. So, like, you just you weren't ever inside. You were always outside playing. You're always doing something crazy, 
either illegal or unsafe. Um, but your parents were found out because one, there were no smartphones. Two, there was no internet. And I mean, nobody really had a way to film you doing anything stupid because if they did, ooh man, I can't imagine the, the history on that right now. I actually am very happy that I didn't grow up with smartphones because I would be in trouble. Right? Cancel a lot quicker than I would now. <laughs> I mean, I was usually out all the time. That is until my mom sprung for cable because Nickelodeon, mm. they yep. were saying goodbye to Doug and Clarissa that year in 94, but mm-hmm. your crush, Miss Alanik, Alex Mack, and all yep. that came out that year. What do you think Alex Mack brought to Nickelodeon? Just a different type of superhero-esque. I mean, you had a girl lead, which is new-ish. I mean, you weren't getting a lot of those. You had Clarissa, but not... It was more of a drama. It wasn't really like an action lead. Um, And you didn't see that very often, so it was kind of fun. Um, And just how they kind of portrayed like teenagers at the time, or young adults. It it wasn't like far-fetched, as a lot of those 90s shows were pretty far-fetched um this was actually a little bit more i don't know relatable and fun and it it was still it was entertaining but not they didn't try to jump the shark where a lot of those 90s tv shows went like super drama and there was always something crazy like degrassi or even like seventh heaven and things like that that were just like eh. and they just they kind of kept it light but having the female lead was was something new and I mean, especially for Nickelodeon, too. They, like a, a single female lead was, was nice. Speaking of drama, Nickelodeon did have a little bit, but they weren't like Party of Five and My So-Called Life. Mm-hmm. Those shows were big into drama. They were kind of aimed at a little older than maybe we were 7 and 10 at the time. So they really weren't my cup of tea. I remember we had a family friend who loved Party of Five, and my mom would make her go home and watch it because she's like, I'm not watching that here. But I did love Melrose Place at the time. Were there any shows that you shouldn't have been watching at your age that you were watching in the 90s? So we had um, cable a little bit towards there, but we watched ER a lot, um, and I probably shouldn't have watched that a lot of times, but it was, you know, it's there, but ER was probably the big one um, that we watched that I probably shouldn't have been watching, but really, other than that, we watched a lot of TGIF. Like, I loved TGIF, but, like, we would watch, you know, get home from school and you watch X in the animated series or Gargoyles, Beast Wars, stuff like that would come up. Power Rangers would still come on and I was still into that sort of stuff. But, you know, it, there wasn't really a lot of drama TV shows. My mom was either working or out, so we'd find something we'd want to watch. And then, you know, it'd always be something Nickelodeon. But, like, even some of the cartoons, like Ah Real Monsters was kind of like a cartoon, but also, like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it really should have been for kids. Um, like Ren and Stimpy and the things like that. Like The Tick was also another one that was like, yeah. <laughs> the, Ren and Stimpy's terrible. It's it's fantastic, but it's terrible. It's like, I did not like that because of like the close-up scenes. Mm-hmm. The first things, I was like, that's disgusting. <laughs> Even as a kid, I was like, I'm not. <laughs> yes, I still want to get my kids the log. Log, log. <laughs> I mean, that is an icon. Yes. My buddy Dre, probably going to hate this part of the show, but I can't talk about 1994 on TV without mentioning Friends. It's so cemented (laughs) in our lexicon. Like, 
love it or hate it, I can't imagine TV without it, you know? It's so cringy to watch now, though. I mean, I haven't watched, God, I haven't watched a full episode since I had, like, cable, and maybe it was in high school, so I haven't seen it lately, but again, love it or hate it, it's one of those shows that will live on forever for some reason. Why do yeah, you, it what will. What do you think about it? Like, was it Gen X? Gen X, like finally having this representation, kind of piggybacking off reality fights. Like, what happened? What made Friends so it? I think it was just the different characters. You had you had five people that were that shouldn't have been hanging out together. That were plus they had they capitalized on all the guest stars of the '90s. You know, the Tom Selleck's, the the was Brad Pitt was in that. Was he in that? Bruce Willis was in it for a while. Bruce Willis was in it. I mean, there was all kinds of fun stuff that would happen. And it was, it was NBC pushing T. NBC and ABC were really pushing TV, and it was like, I remember like everybody talking about Sweeps Week, and like people don't talk about that anymore because it's nobody cares, uh, nobody watches TV like on TV half the damn time. It's always streaming, but you to have friends. I don't. I just I go back into it now, and there's shows from the from that time period. Like I can watch Seinfeld now and still and still think it's funny. Like, it's still relatively funny. Home Improvement. You can watch it most episodes. Some of them, when they get stupid and you're like, all right, Brad got caught smoking weed. Okay, who cares? Um, you know, that sort of stuff. But it, it just, Friends to me was a time capsule. Like, it wouldn't, that show doesn't work now. It just, maybe if they updated it, but like. Like the Meg Ryan. Yeah, it doesn't work now. It it really had its it had its heyday. I think it went a little long to where it needed to go, but NBC stretched every nook and cranny they could get out of that out of that show. But it just did its thing. It was good for the time. Um, I felt like it needed more Lisa Kudrow mm-hmm. and and less uh, Courtney Cox um, personally, um, and Jennifer Aniston. I couldn't stand Jennifer Aniston half the damn time. Um, I liked uh, uh, Joey, but everybody liked Joey. He was just the buffoon. Um, but you, you hear, I, I actually like more than like watching Friends now. I like reading about like all this, the like crazy things that happened during that time frame um, of that show and like what happened in the back behind the scenes of all the things that were going on and um, hearing about uh, the dude that played Chandler. What's his name? Matthew Perry and the things that that dude got himself involved in. Holy cow! His book just came out, and that thing is—it's—it's uh, it's brutal. Um, he said but, he doesn't remember some of the like few years filming. Yeah, and he doesn't remember them at all, and like he had to be so stoned to do it, and just because he was like terrible. But he was like the it guy for a while there too, like in different movies and things like that. He was just everywhere, and then all of a sudden he wasn't. So. We go through, like, phases, I think. I don't know what that phase is right now for TV. Maybe it's Stranger Things, but even then, we're not hitting that one pretty hard. Um, today, I don't know if there's a show like Friends on today that I feel like... Because I feel like people don't... Is there much... Is there much watch... Is there must-watch TV today? Like, is there must-watch TV? Like, people will... Watch it. Must watch week when it drops, and then it goes away, and we can't forget about. Because we can stream it in like three days. Mm -hmm. 
sometimes in one day, depending on if you're crazy or not. The only show making a lot of noise that's prime time is Abbott Elementary. I feel like that is still okay. being true to what, because I love, a tra- I'm a traditionalist for TV. I, I love, of course, I have streaming and everything, but I love a just ABC comedy. Give to me every week. I love it. I think, like, after, after we lost Parks and Rec, The Office, Community, and How I Met Your Mother, like, there hasn't been anything since those shows that's really, like, long-running that has been, like, people binge it and, like, have to watch it, like, as a sitcom-type stuff, type show. Like, after those, like, four shows, and Community was, like, the, like, bastard stepchild of all of those shows, but it was, it's amazing. It's a funny show. Um, I just, I feel like we don't, there's not anything like that anymore, where in the 90s, every every network had a you know flagship tv like had a flagship night like abc was friday nights nbc was thursday nights um abc also had monday monday night football but box had like wednesdays and sundays because of the animation so like every in like cbs had whenever um like criminal minds came out or whatever when that sort of stuff was going on or ncis but it just it felt like every network had like one night where you like I have to watch NBC tonight because it's gonna be Friends and it's gonna be this and it's gonna be this and it's gonna be this and there's four shows in a row like Friends and like Will and Grace and something else were coming out so you had to watch that channel that night everybody watched TJF on Fridays it just is I mean that was that's how you had to end the week and then you had Saturday yeah. morning cartoons the next day mm-hmm. it was a whole thing and then Sunday maybe an I Love Lucy rerun or two in the afternoon it's probably why like our we, we started like getting away from like being active more because TV was like so a part of our lives now like now we're all parents <laughs> and we're, we're like media let's go your friends originally aired we said goodbye to another hit show and that was safe at the bell the college mm. years oh <laughs> the college years, years. oh now, do you think if safe by the bell had tried to take things a step further and maybe follow them in a more adult landscape like out of college could they have rivaled friends do you think those characters could have taken on those new york i don't know i feel like we were kind of burned out of them by that time I mean, you, you probably could have, you weren't, yeah, but you probably could have kept a couple of them and maybe built off other characters on top of it. Um, but I think, like, you could have kept Zach around and maybe built something off of him, but you had to drop and add some more in. Like, you just kind of get tired of, like, like Screech was, like, you know, Jewish Urkel. Um, it just is, done. like, yeah, you could have dropped Screech. You could have dropped Slater and add somebody else in. You could have, I mean could have not that you should have but you could have um it just i feel like they could have they could have revamped it with some of them they kind of rebooted it a little bit like they did the college years um and maybe done something but i also thought at the time like even tv executives get like bored with with shows and they just drop stuff early they let stuff go you know faster than they should like buffy probably should have lasted longer than it did but it didn't because people got tired of it well, I guess, well, you know, we got to see the Saved by the Bell cast come back on, I believe it was TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yep. First season, like Mighty Ducks, I did watch and I enjoyed it because they were in on the joke of how cheesy the show was. Originally, yep. I didn't see the second season <laughs> and now it's gone. Yes. <laughs> so, 
Now we're going to do some popcorn questions. You're going to give me okay. five numbers, one through 50, and they're all 90s based. So first okay. number. 22. Did you, be honest, watch the Pam and Tommy infamous tape back in the day? <laughs> oh, back in the day? No, but yes, I think <laughs> I watched it in 99. I was a sophomore in high school. I've never seen it, but I've heard good things. There's... <laughs> Well, there's a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of, lot of things. Tommy learns how to steer a boat with a different part of his body, so. <laughs> That's the, the iconic part I've heard about. Yeah. So, uh, well, I didn't get the internet until 2005, and I was, like, in college, and I was, like, I was just interested in, like, Googling random things. Like, I would watch Tiny Toons on YouTube, and I thought I was there we blown go. away, blown away by YouTube, because that, that was the year YouTube came out. It was my yes. year. Oh, my God. <laughs> 2005. Wow, I was I was in college. It was my freshman year of college. Okay, I was gonna say I was I was like I would have been a junior in college at that point. Nice. <laughs> Next number. 37. Everyone picks this one. If Brandy and Monica both wanted you, which one would win your heart? Brandy. She's the popular answer. <laughs> yeah, I think Brandy. Yeah, I would pick her too. Sitting up in my room. Gotta go Cinderella. Oh, <laughs> she is the Cinderella. I do love Drew Barrymore in Ever After, though. Yes. It's like a gritty Cinderella. Yes, it is a gritty Cinderella, but I think I think Brandy setting up was kind of the building blocks to getting the Ariel we're going to get Little Mermaid this year. So, so I, I, I am going to give it the benefit of the doubt, like I've done every live-action Disney movie, but I don't have the highest of hopes because I've seen the other live-action Disney movies. Not all of them have been bad. There's, there's, been, a, there's been a couple of stinkers in there, but you got to gotta get a couple of them in there, but I think we'll be okay. I'm but, hopeful. Yeah, I'm hopeful for this one. I mean, they, got, they got a good singer. They got a good singer, so, okay. Next one? Yeah. 46. Oh, okay. Who's scarier? Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone or Macaulay Culkin in The Good Son? Or Macaulay Culkin as an adult? <laughs> oh, God. Wow, that's a, that's a deep one. Because Macaulay Culkin, he could have not beat the crap out of Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. He, he <laughs> really, he was out for blood. The Good Son, holy cow. <laughs> no. That is a movie there. Um, that's uh, poor Elijah Wood. Um, and Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin now is actually pretty chill. I actually like him now. Oh, he's so gorgeous too. He's well, he's fantastic, and he just kind of understands the like. He he leans into it more than he did, you know, 10, 10 12 years ago. That he took a well-deserved break, mm -hmm. and then he came back strong. Cause tell you the truth one of my favorite Macaulay Culkin movies is actually Party Monster I love that movie I think it's done I think it's it's fantastically done um about the Steve. the club kids Saved is good too um but I'm gonna have to go The Good Son because holy cow that one was uh there's some things that you watch now and you're like oh man it just gives you chills yeah, and the fact that it, they made it with, like, these children and the, the premise of it, it's just, if you haven't seen it, if you're listening, definitely try to find it. It's, and I wouldn't watch it with children. I don't know why my mom, I think my mom just saw Macaulay Culkin and thought, hey, it's another kid's movie. All right, next number? Uh, 13. Um, do you think the Oregon Trail taught us anything? 
to die of dysentery. We learned new words that we hadn't known before. Um, it, no, I think it was just a fun game that we all like tried to kill each other in spectacular ways. Like, how can we die this time? Um, but I mean, it did teach us like. I guess there's like some fun history aspects of it, but no, I don't think any computer games really taught us much of anything when you know in the early '90s. Yeah, like I think it was just like a way for teachers to have like a moment to themselves. Oh, it was definitely the the beginning of the electronic babysitter. Yeah, like I remember distinctly our teacher taking us to the computer lab, us being so stoked because who had a computer at home, you know? Right. <laughs> All right, your last popcorn number. Eight. Where were you when the OJ verdict was read? It was in 94, I believe. Um, it was... 95, January 24th, 95. I was probably in school when that happened. Um, I do remember it, though, being on TV. Um, and knowing, like... And then kind of like looking up like later on, I think I looked more into that like 97, 98, like I got more into the trial, like looked back at it, but um, I was more than likely I was in school. I have to say like OJ, I didn't know anything about him. I was what, six, seven, eight years old. And I just remember hating him because that trial took off Bobby's world. Like they played it so much. And I was like, mom, I don't know what this guy did. I don't care what this guy did. I want to watch Bobby's world. I was like, why is the dude from National Lampoon's on trial? Like, why is the dude from Naked Gun on trial? Like he was on Naked Gun 33 and a third. Let's go. Like, it was, I was like, well, so when the verdict was read, I was just relieved that my cartoons could come back. Yeah, that was, and that was kind of the start of, like, everybody wanted to watch, like, trials on TV and, like, court TV and stuff. And it just, it just made our, even, our media dependence even worse, I think. But, no, I would have, I think it would have been in school. It actually was read October, October 3rd of 95, so it would have been late 95. So it started in January. It took almost a dang year. Yeah. It's a lot of Bobby's world, yeah. <laughs> Howie Mandel, I tell you. <laughs> so, our last question. If you were the age you are now, but in 1994, <laughs> what do you think your life would be like? I'd probably have a low-paying job. I don't know. It'd be weird. I just, like... 94 was when things were starting to kind of make a comeback. Like, the economy was kind of coming back. Clinton had been in office for two years. So things were kind of bouncing back at that point but also you were kind of coming out of desert storm there was so much weird going on in our country so i would have been like i probably would have been more like social justice inclined with like the different like with the riots in 92 la riots in 92 and just kind of being more pushing buttons and i think you, you got away with a lot more in the 90s where you could be like really anti establishment and it was kind of a like simmering under the surface for many years there um but i would have been more in like the the grunge like craziness scene i think um in the in the style of reference that i am now but i'd have a couple of kids be married more than likely working a job that i probably hated but i mean not so much different than right now. I've a lot more than a couple of kids, but um, I don't know. It would have been weird yeah. looking back at the time. 
weird to think of like your like I had a single mom too, and it's weird to think like that woman was just raised. Yeah, and like looking back, we I look back at like what my mom went through when I was in you know when I was younger, and like we talk about like not knowing we didn't have stuff for Christmas, not knowing we didn't have what we had, and you know you had no idea, and just thinking about like how the hell would one person do that, and like my wife and I talk about it now, and we're like, there's no way in hell I could do this on my own, like. How did our? Because my my wife's mom's a single mom too, and she had she had four kids, um, and I'm like, how? She, no, no, no. Like you just like it was like a hustle. Like you just did it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I never remember like because our parents also didn't have social media like we do. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm like, where was she complaining? I'm on yeah. Twitter all day complaining. Where was right. the mom? Where were our moms venting? Because I don't remember her. She had friends. But, like, being a single mom, she wasn't going out, like, all the time with her friends. She was going to the casino, yes, but she wasn't relaxing. <laughs> I, remember, I remember going to my aunt. My aunt's house, like, my aunt lived very close to us. So, like, my mom's sister. And they, we would go over there, and they would have, like, wine or beer. And they'd just hang out in, like, backyard. And we'd be playing and playing with my cousins and whatnot, doing stuff. But that's where, like, the gripes happen, and they'd be shooting the shit and, you know, arguing and being pissed about something so like i could see it there but yeah it's it's such a weird aspect now of figuring out like not having social media and not knowing where your parents complained and now seeing them complain quite frequently because my mom complains about every damn thing um <laughs> kind of glad i'm, I'm kind of glad that what the internet wasn't a thing and al gore didn't invent it by then so we're good <laughs> yeah i'm i my mom i would not trust her on the internet <laughs> No, I don't she's trust my mom, my mom on the internet now. She's a, my mom's a neon. She'd just be like, going after everybody, everything. So I'd be like, like Mom, no. Like Mecca like Karen? She, yeah, not Mecca Karen, but she's just a biatch. Just a, she, my mom's like, if Eric Cartman was a 60-some-year-old woman. <laughs> That's amazing, though. <laughs> she, she loves Cartman, too. It's her favorite <laughs> She's actually better. why I watch South Park. She would record it for me because I would be too sleepy in fifth grade when it started, and then I'd watch it the morning before school. Speaking of shows we shouldn't have watched when we were kids, <laughs> um, and movies we shouldn't have watched when we were kids, holy cow, that one. I know, like, my, I had a close friend, we're like a month apart, and he was like bad, like one of those bad kids, and I was a very good kid, and my mom let me see South Park. His mom dragged him out of the theater, and I was like, your son cusses all the time, it's like in the principal's office like he's already bad he <laughs> this isn't influencing him honey my mom took us to see we had a drive-in movie theater uh when i was like we, we went to see south park and it was the second because like, always ran they ran two movies he ran the first one and there was a second show well my mom fell asleep during <laughs> south park and like we watched the whole dang thing and like, i think my sister at the time was probably six <laughs> um because she's she's eight years younger than me so she was probably like five or six and she stayed up and watched the whole thing too she shouldn't have but um my mom was like we woke her up and she's like how was the movie it was great and we're just like oh the things that we could repeat and she'd be like where'd you hear that south park and then she'd laugh because it was the 90s um yep my mom'd be like do the impression do the cartman <laughs> do the cartman well yeah um no we would yeah it's again even sh- I won't I won't let my kids now watch South Park because there's just no way okay. even the Simpsons can get a little rough sometimes <laughs> my nephew is 10 and loves the 
just gone back and he's watched all the old ones. I don't know if he like stays into it, but he really, that's something I was really surprised because I was like, oh, so the kids maybe, because I always think of like Nick at Night and everything, mm-hmm. and that's how I got introduced and we had reruns, of course. And I'm like, do kids go out of their way to like look into what we came before them? So I'm glad he is showing me that he's in, he's interested in that, not just yeah. Roblox. <laughs> Yeah, my my kids will watch. Um, like my kids love uh, um, Home Improvement. My mother-in-law watches it on I don't know one of the free like streaming TV channels. Um, I think Laugh TV has it on there, and they'll sit and watch it for like an hour. They'll watch two or three episodes and just hang out. And they laugh and they they like all the jokes and they're still they still think they're funny. So like they'll sit and watch Home Improvement. They'll watch some of the other ones too, but they they think that show's hilarious. I mean, it still is pretty funny half the time, so or most of the time. But um, they like The Simpsons. They like watching the old ones. Like I said, um, my older ones are getting closer now, where they understand a lot more of the jokes, um, which is even funnier. Because like now they're just like, whoa! And like you get them to, like they like look over at us, like when they hear a joke, they like watch, like they, they laugh. They like watch us to make sure it's okay to laugh. It's kind of funny. The same thing we did when we were kids. Like you just like yeah, I caught that. Look at your mom. The first time you watched Shrek as, as like a young adult, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, Shrek, Shrek's just, oh my god, if I do 2000s, Shrek is up there. Shrek is coming up. Oh, in my heart, forever. <laughs> Out of Disney, like, if you can't count Disney, I mean, I would even put Shrek above a lot of Disney movies, personally, but... Yes. So, before we say our farewells, can you remind people where they can find you in Notes from the Goats podcast? Yes, you guys can find the Notes from the Goats podcast. All streaming platforms, uh, just search Notes from the Goats podcast. Uh, you'll find Nate Chomp on the record there. Uh, we have a uh, over 220 episodes recorded now. So, there's a, generally, you're going to find an album, an artist that you like, one that you may hate, uh, that you'll find me and Brandon just kind of go off on every so often. We're not nice to all of them. I can guarantee you that. Um, we actually had a whole month of hate uh, last year in 2022, uh, in July. But uh, again, find us on Facebook, the Northman Goats Podcast, uh, TikTok, the Northman Goats Pod. Um, just let us know where you found us uh, via Crushgasm. It'd be great. And we uh, will hope to see you guys soon. Well, Steve, um, I, again, I'm excited to come back on the show. And I just want yes. to Thank you for taking the time to talk everything 1984 with me and everyone. You can find all that information below. And until next time, as always, keep crushing it.